Hello, and welcome to Speaking Startup, Missouri Business Alert's podcast covering the news and issues important to Missouri entrepreneurs. I'm Megan Liz Smith, and joining me as always is the ethereal Annika Merrilies. Wow, thank you, Megan. And I always try and come up with a fun new adjective. First of all, I interview Chevette Dinkins, who's brought the concept of co-working spaces to the classroom. Then I'll talk to Katherine Palmer, a reporter who interviewed Tricia Scudder from Missouri Business Alert. Scudder is a visionary in the executive coaching game, and she was at Mizzou Tuesday to receive a Missouri Honor Medal. Then we'll finish off with a look at some important numbers in startup and entrepreneurship news and the week's top headlines. Should we get started? I think we should. Let's go to the interviews. Chevette Dinkins has been an entrepreneur for most of her professional life. In January 2018, she was encouraged by a friend to apply for a teaching job at Wyandotte High School, a Kansas City public area school. Her goal in the classroom is teaching students to think like entrepreneurs. That's what got her interested in the possibilities of co-working spaces. After touring several Kansas City co-working sites with her students, Chevette began developing Suite 1886. I talked to Chevette about the value of co-working spaces and what she's learned from teaching the next generation of entrepreneurs. What is the definition of a co-working space? So, you know, the co-working space that adults are using right now, right? So I'm explaining it to even the adults here in our building because they have no idea what a co-working space is, right? Yeah. So I'm trying to get students to think as if they were entrepreneurs in my classroom. So if you came into my classroom and you knew no one, what would you do? Would you just sit by yourself and kind of just watch the room? Or would you go over to meet another student and say, hello, my name is Rachel, and I am working on this project. So then, Rachel, when you meet that new person, you're getting to know that person. That's part of networking. That's what adults do. Hmm. So then you tell that person you have a problem. And if they can help you, maybe they can't help you, but there is another student um, on the other side of the classroom. His name is John, and maybe he can help you with that. So there are a lot of students that have great strengths, and then there are also students that have weaknesses, and they need to be able to identify what their weaknesses are and then work with other students within the classroom to figure out how they're going to do their work with their weaknesses and their strengths. So that is um, in itself a really yeah. interesting process. But I think kids are they're more aware of, okay, even though I'm not able to do these things, there are people around me that can help. So that's one of the most important things about this co-working space is that students need to learn the importance of communicating with each other, getting to know each other, and also that collaboration piece. Because it's okay, I'm not a great writer, but guess what? I'm an awesome speaker. So we can work together. And that's the same thing that our adults are doing in co-working spaces. They're graphic designers that meet attorneys and say, hey, I have this problem. You know, can you help me? And attorney says, sure, I can help you. But can you help me with the website? You know, that's the same thing that's going on for adult entrepreneurs, and I need students to think that same kind of way. Huh. Yeah, that's so cool. It's just about teaching kids how to think like an entrepreneur. Exactly, yeah. Yeah, so can you talk about what does the space actually look like? So our classroom is really old. We actually have the classroom that I'm in <laughs> has earning boards from the home ec class that was probably here in 1970-something. Oh, wow. <laughs> So we have a lot of transformation to do. So our classroom is about, I want to say, about 100 square feet. Um, we have big windows, so that is awesome because we have windows where we can see the front of the building, the courtyard. We get light in. We can see trees. You know, if we kind of get bored, we can go out and look at the window and maybe get some ideas. So we have six big windows on one side of our building. Um, and then on the other side of that wall, we have um, some whiteboards, and then we have some cabinets. 
And then um, we still have old chalkboards in our classroom. So we're figuring out how we're going to work around those um, chalkboards so that we can have some visual arts for folks. Um, and then we have the other side of our classroom, which is old cabinets from I don't know when. Um, but when you open those cabinet doors, there's a whole bunch of little drawers because, again, this was a homemade room, so they had all their needles and their threads and all these little drawers. <laughs> um, so our classroom is interesting. We have old lighting probably from the 70s. So everything in our classroom is super, super old. So our goal is that we're going to get some funky colors and some vibrant art, and it's going to be warming and really cozy for students who um, come to this space. Um, so we're working with a couple artists to do some murals for us, and then we're also working on some artists to do some culture uh, banner. So we want folks to come in to know that this is a space where it is diverse. We welcome you, whatever you know, whatever language you speak or whatever country you're from. So I think it's important for us to have artwork um, about different traditions or different cultures or different things from other countries. So when kids come in, they're like, you know what? That's that's my like that's my country flag right there. Yeah. So they're already feeling welcome in the space. So we want to make sure that the artwork also makes people feel warm and welcome um, right here in Sweet 1886. Wow. So how do you structure your class time? <laughs> so we have 90-minute um, class periods. Um, the first 10 minutes of class is kind of that, oh, I'm getting to class. You know, I may yeah, need to send my in. girlfriend a quick text message yeah. or I don't know, I may need to get on Facebook really quick. So that, that, that 10 minutes is kind of like when adults get to work. They're getting their coffee, they're turning on their laptop, they're putting their coats up. So it's the same kind of feel. So we have that first 10 minutes is just kind of relaxed you know, get in the mood of class, you know, get prepared or whatever they need to do in that, fit, that 10 minutes. Then the next 10 minutes to 15 minutes is me facilitating the idea. So sometimes it's just me throwing out a question or sometimes it's me throwing out a problem. Um, so that's 10 or 15 minutes of them kind of understanding what's going on for the day. Um, and then the next 25 to 30 minutes is usually an icebreaker or a team building activity. And then the remainder of that time, um, they're going to be working on whatever project that they need to work on. Hmm. When they get out of society, nobody's going to hold their hand for them. Oh, yeah. You know, they have to make those choices on their own. They have to go advocate for themselves. And so I want to make sure when they come to my classroom that they have those skills. You know, whether or not they decide to go to college, whether or not they decide to be an entrepreneur or go into the workforce, they have those basic skills that they need to be successful in whatever situation that they decide they want to be in. Hmm. Do you find that the entrepreneurial mindset makes a lot of sense to high school kids? Like, is it really easy for them to get in that mindset? I think they already have it, but they just don't know that they have it. Yeah. And a lot of kids probably use their entrepreneurial skills for negative things. <laughs> um, and I'm trying to figure out how to create that environment where they have the skills and we are able to identify them and they're able to use them for positive experiences. Because a lot of kids have great, I mean, they're great kids. They have great stories to tell. They have great, I mean, some of the ideas that they come up, I would have never thought of. But making sure they're able to verbalize those things and also tell somebody what they want to do because I don't want to make the decisions for you. I just want to guide you through those decisions. So you tell me exactly what you want to do, and I'm going to help you get there. Hmm. Interesting. So what do you feel like you've learned now, having gone from being an entrepreneur yourself now to teaching at a high school? What do you think you've learned about entrepreneurship through this experience? So I think my friends always said, Shavette, you've always been a teacher. You know that, right? Yeah. I'm like, no, I never have been, right? But I think indirectly when I think about my experiences before then, I have always been a non-traditional teacher. Yeah. So because I was an entrepreneur, because I started a company by myself, because I had to go out and, you know, get people to support me, 
I know exactly what it takes to be an entrepreneur. So I'm able to um, share those ideas and those things with my students firsthand in class. Hmm. So I think that's important because teachers only know how to teach. But because I'm a business owner, because I've been an entrepreneur, because I've done all these other things, I know how to teach, and I also know what it needs to be successful. So do you feel like the real value of co-working spaces is it's all about getting people to work together? Oh, yes, definitely. Definitely. I I think, you know, it started out with entrepreneurs not having very much money and they needed a space, you know. But at the end of the day, the relationships they develop within those spaces is just as important as being in the space and just as important as their journey for whatever they want that to be for their business. Oh, yeah. And that relationship that they they created in that small environment may not be a relationship that they would have created elsewhere. They would have never met each other, you know, because most people that kind of do graphic design, they kind of hang out with graphic design people. You know, most people that are attorneys, they go to the same networking events. Um, So this brings people that are from diverse backgrounds together. And with you being in the same building, just sharing a cup of coffee at the coffee machine, you just met someone, you know, Mm. and you never know. Um, how far that meeting with somebody is going to take your business or company to the next level. Yeah. So what do you think that entrepreneurs should be aware of for this next generation of kids that are in high school now? Oh, wow. (laughs) Um, I'm kind of nervous about this next generation of kids um, because they don't know what power they have. Yeah. Um, So I think that's the biggest thing is that they don't know what power they have And the second thing is that they're not dreamers. You know, I always tell kids that your education and your knowledge is going to get you out of poverty. Yeah. And they don't understand that language. They don't understand, what are you talking about, Ms. Dinkins? What are you talking about? And I say this all the time. You got to dream past tomorrow. You have to dream past um, next year. You know, you have to have that dream in the far back of your mind and say, no matter what things happen, I'm going to get there. And some of our kids struggle with so many social uh, emotional, I mean, just a lot of kids have a lot of different struggles, yeah. especially more than when I went to school. So they're thinking about their struggles. They're not thinking about their future. Um, so I really try to impact them by saying, you know, let's go over here and talk to this person about what their struggles were and how they got to the end. And a lot of kids don't see the end. They're not dreaming enough to see beyond maybe they're in poverty or they're not dreaming beyond to see that maybe they're in foster care and they, you know, they're never going to see their family again. So we have a very diverse students as far as backgrounds, and we also have a very diverse students of day-to-day situations that they're dealing with at our school. Hmm. So I think they don't understand their power that they have, their voice that they have, and they also are not dreaming further enough or big enough dreamers to know that um, things that, that seem impossible are really possible. Um, so that's one of the things that I also drive in my classroom is like, you know, I'm just your teacher. You know, I'm sitting in the passenger side of the car. You're the driver. You have the keys. What are you going to do? Where are you going to go? And so um, some students who have had me a couple times, they understand it. And other students are kind of like, this lady is crazy. <laughs> <laughs> and what's the name of your co-working space? Um, Sweet 1886, and that's because our our building was built in 1886. That's our tradition and our foundation for our co-working space. Nice. Sweet 1886. Well, thank you for talking to me about it. It's been a great conversation. Well, thank you so much for having me. Trisha Scudder has been called the CEO's secret weapon. In 1987, she founded Executive Coaching Group, which today works with clients across the U.S. and Europe. She's coached over 750 senior executives at Wall Street firms, tech firms, and global marketing agencies. 
She was at Mizzou Tuesday to receive a Missouri Honor Medal, and reporter Catherine Palmer interviewed her for Missouri Business Alert. I'm joined in the studio by reporter Catherine Palmer, who spoke with Trisha Scudder. Trisha was here to receive a Missouri Honor Medal. Catherine, would you mind telling us what a Missouri Honor Medal means, what it represents? Sure. Well, since 1930, the Missouri School of Journalism has awarded a Missouri Honor Medal to people who have made lifetime achievements in journalism or other communications professions. And on Tuesday, they awarded eight, and Trisha Scudder was one of them. Okay. So what is it that Trisha Scudder has done um, that led the journalism school to give her the honor medal? Well, she is a Mizzou alum. She graduated in the mid-60s, and she was a reporter and editor for a while, then worked in advertising. But her big achievement is starting the executive coaching group in 1987. In her years as an editor and then working in advertising, she observed that there were people of the same talent level, but that they would have different outcomes in their success and she wondered why and discovered that a lot of it had to do with the language they use when they're presenting new ideas. Interesting. So what is it that she does like on a daily basis? So what does an executive coach do? She in particular coaches people on how to use language that is going to get other people excited about your ideas. She noted that a lot of people use hesitant language like I guess, or maybe, or probably, I hope so. Instead, she gave examples about using language with purpose. What is the takeaway in terms of entrepreneurship? What are some direct goals that we can give to entrepreneurs that you learned? Do not be hesitant in your ideas. Do not be afraid to have ideas. Say things in a way that they would matter to other people. And one of the big things she did say was by using hesitant language, you're not really putting yourself at risk. You're keeping yourself in a comfort zone. But then when you put yourself out there and say that these things are going to happen, you have to hold yourself to account. And it makes you have a little bit more integrity was the word that she used. And how did Trisha Scudder, how did she open the presentation? She said, I'm going to give you two opening sentences and tell me which presentation you want to listen to. So the first one, of course, was this presentation maybe might help you learn a few new things. Hopefully you'll be able to get something out of it. And then she said, would you rather listen to that one or this next one where she said, this presentation will change your life. It will change your outlook on how to speak about yourself and your ideas. She closed the presentation by asking all of us to write down a declarative statement about our future. Yeah. So that could be something really broad or really specific. Yeah, there were some people that said, I'm I'm going to have a job by April. I'm going to have a job lined up by graduation. There was another young woman who I really liked. She said, I'm going to find a purpose outside of my career. That would be a lifelong journey, whereas finding the job by April, that's a finite thing. Mm -hmm. But either way, it's all about your approach. Is there anything else that I've missed that we should talk about? I think that's it. And now it's time to look at some important numbers in this week's startup news. It's Can I Get Your Digits? 
So, Annika, can I get your digits? Of course, Megan. My numbers for this week are 2 and 11. Ooh. The job comparison website Glassdoor published its second annual Best Cities for Jobs report, and it ranked St. Louis second and Kansas City and Kansas City made number 11. According to the report, St. Louis has more than 75,000 job openings, and Kansas City has more than 57,000. Well, that's pretty cool. Number two and number 11. Yeah, we're doing well on this list. Megan, can I get your digits? Of course. My number for this week is 300 million. That's how much developers plan to spend on converting the former Great Mall of the Great Plains into a mixed-use project featuring a 4,000-seat hockey arena. The Salt Lake City-based Woodbury Corporation announced Tuesday that it is under contract to purchase the 100-acre site for the new development called Mentum. The arena will serve as a home for the Kansas City Youth Hockey Association and hopefully attract major youth hockey tournaments to the area. We've already talked about a few startup stories from this week's news, but there's plenty more that you shouldn't miss out on. So without further ado, here's the week's startup headlines. First up, on Friday, a company called Startup AgVoice won a $100,000 grand prize from Launch KC. The program awarded a total of $500,000 in cash prizes to nine startups. Check out our website to find out more about the other eight. On Wednesday, a feasibility study was released determining that a Hyperloop route from St. Louis to Kansas City along I-70 would be commercially viable. It would cut the three-and-a-half to four-hour trip down to as little as 28 minutes. Read more about it in the St. Louis Business Journal. Last up, looking ahead to Monday, applications for the Pipeline Entrepreneur Program are due Monday, October 22nd. Pipeline is a year-long Kansas City-based fellowship for entrepreneurs from Missouri, Kansas, and Nebraska. To end the episode, we have an entrepreneurship quote from Rachel Qualls, CEO of Venture360, a private equity portfolio management tool. For the past 12 years, Venture360 has been developing a new tool that they hope will shape the future of investing. It's blockchain-enabled, and it's called Liquify. Rachel pitched Liquify to a panel of judges at TechWeek KC. She walked away with a $50,000 grant. Austin Barnes, a reporter for Startland, who I talked to last week, interviewed her about Liquify. This is the main problem she sees holding back potential investors. The main reason more people don't invest in private companies is because there's no way to get money out. On average, money is tied up for 10 to 12 years. With Liquify, Rachel and Venture360 hope to change that. This has been Speaking Startup from Missouri Business Alert. This episode was produced, edited, and hosted by Annika Merrilies and me, Megan Liz Smith. Our theme music was produced by Poddington Bear. This episode was recorded in the KBIA studios. We'll speak to you next week. Thank you.